Namaste. Today's event, some people have been asking me, so I thought we'll share a few thoughts on that and then merge into the canto. First of all, it's an interesting date. 91119. Very interesting date. And this date has a uh, number of events. Uh, today itself, two events, and there is another event associated with this date, and another one very close to this date. So the first event that was comes closest to this date was 11 11 1919, the day when officially the World War I ended. That's one. Okay, then the second event was on 9-11, falling of the Berlin Wall. People, you know, two sides coming united. Then today the two events and it's very strange because it's not only today. I've been seeing this and several times in the class I've spoken about it. Suddenly there is a harmony of dates coming together, events coming together. Uh, I think number of times I've spoken about it uh, on a particular date. So today also we see these two very interesting events in the Indian context, but I think they have far-reaching repercussions. One is that there is a, not a breaking of the wall, but, um, you know, Sikhs have their shrine uh, of Nanak's birth, their founder, Guru Nanak. His actual birthplace is on the other side of the border in Pakistan. It's about four kilometers from the Indian border. And... Today, officially, since independence, the effort was being made to open a corridor so that people from this side can visit there easily. It can be facilitated. Mm. So, today, officially, after almost 70 years of trying it out, suddenly, last two years, this proposal was accepted from the other side of the border. And today, the first batch of pilgrims went. Now, this is uh, interesting because Guru Nanak, if you really go into the past, it's 550 years since his birth. He was, if I'm not mistaken, the first mystic who actually said, spoke about bringing together Hindu and Muslims, but not by simply either appeasement or, you know, uh, you are good, I am good, but by taking them to the next level, the spiritual level. So when he was asked by his disciple, one of the first disciples, who are you? Are you a Hindu? He said no. Are you a Muslim? He said no. So who are you? I am a man of God. So it was a very beautiful spiritual level where your all other identities, your religious, social, your um, you know national, that time there was no national identity as such. But your other identity based on language, customs are uplifted and changed into one true identity that you are a child of the divine or man of God. The different ways of expressing it. Uh, very few people know that Guru Nanak started what is now today as the Sikh religion. But actually what you today associate with the Sikh religion, that is the five Ks. Uh, K means K in English, uh, not the K word in Kashmir. So the five Ks which is... Kripan, which they carry, the sword, uh, the the pagdi, you know, turban, uh, kesh, which they keep open, kanghi, kada. Uh, so these were not uh, during Guru Nanak time. 
this was because following guru nanak and it's very interesting if you look at the time times of guru nanak and subsequently that was a time from guru nanak to the last sikh guru 10th guru guru gobind singh that india was faced by a maximum of islamic ins- uh, onslaught we may use the word mughal onslaught you know to be politically more correct but it was a uh, you know as if people from arisen from the very bowels of the earth were rushing savagely you know that was a display but on the one side this was happening and you know heroes were fighting it out and uh, there were stories of betrayal stories of heroism but guru nanak at that point of time and kabir around that time mystics were upholding and preserving the flame of sanatan dharma yes. so it was very interesting you know that the, it was necessary as a backdrop yes so they were constantly showing the way that there is a higher way a better way a better way uh, and in the process many of the sikh gurus had to give tremendous sacrifice and one of them had to uh, sit on a hot plate for hours uh, because you know he was told by the mughal ruler that either you convert to islam or you have to go through all the tortures and he didn't agree and so he had to go through the tortures uh, another sikh guru his two sons were buried i mean alive again he didn't accept then the ninth sikh guru when he was asked by people that you know it's so because you know it connects with the story very interestingly he was asked by the people that um when will the mughal rule end he said when a genuine man truly a man of god noble he sacrifices himself then the rule will end so his son 9 year old guru gobind singh this is but father who can be more noble and more of a man of god than you so he inspired his father for the great sacrifice so he threw a challenge at aurangzeb that look if uh, if i convert to islam all my hindu brothers they will accept it so well he presented himself and aurangzeb tried various means ultimately he beheaded him publicly he is one of those uh, genuine great masters who was beheaded and that time uh, there is a whole story about how his head was carried uh, by um, you know guru gobind singh his disciples and uh, that's why in in delhi you have a gurudwara named after the head gurudwara shish ganj where his head was you know kept and then guru gobind singh who must have seen all this and he knew now that the rain must end he is the one who made uh, the sikh religion enter into a become a martial race you know already they, this was a very virile kshatriya kind of uh, hmm. warriors who had chosen the spiritual path the kshatra tej was there and brahma tej had joined with it if you read sikhism it's all vedanta even some of the terms are like that ekoham there is one without a second omkar sat sri akal all completely sanskrit words <laughs> um why guru all these are terms which are straight from sanskrit and you can very well understand and he speaks about incidentally in gurbani which is a collection of some uh, all the great masters their hymns are there it like the vedas it's very much like that so all the great masters of those times those hymns are there some of them are dedicated to kali some to krishna uh, shri ram's name you know where we are coming to is also mentioned 55 times in 
Gurubani. So it was a collection, very Catholic kind of religion. So Guru Gobind Singh, just to identify and separate it, he said the purpose of the Khalsa, which he, the militant religion uh, is a wrong word, but the warrior religion, he said their task is to protect the Hindus. That's how it came into being. And there were five persons who came from different uh, sides of India. That's how the whole religion had come into existence. So, in, And it is true that Guru Gobind Singh and Shivaji on the Maratha side together, they overthrew the entire empire. It's, it's amazing. Actually, I, the Aurangzeb, it was, I mean, yeah. and Guru Gobind Singh was never defeated. Shivaji remained invincible right up to the end. Yes. So it's an amazing story of, you know, it's good to go back sometimes to those roots and reconnect with the kind of blood and consciousness that has flown into the veins of the ancient Aryavart. So once again, we see Guru Nanak who initially started the movement of union of the two different kinds of seemingly different by a new spiritual uplifting. We see that 550 years down the line, another movement starts symbolically. And though people are suspicious and suspicions have their own validity and it's not that. But overall, I feel it's a very positive event. I feel that this kind of going back and forth is also a going back and forth in consciousness. And uh, who knows? This may be starting point of uh, something much, much uh, beautiful uh, down the line. You have one more, one more point to cover. Yeah. So I'll now come to the second one. Yes. So the second one is about today's uh, decision. Decision. Now this case, many people don't know about the Ram Janma Bhumi. Um, you know, this has been going on since 1800 something. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not a new case. And to cut a long story short, it has gone through many ups and downs. Uh, Do you know who was pleading in this case on the side of the Hindus? It was Baby Ram. Actually, he is one of the plaintiffs. (laughs) He is called Ram Lala. So he is one of the, on one side, and, uh, but he is a baby. You know, it is the birthplace. So he can't fight the case. So on behalf of him, one of the retired judges became one of the uh, you know, that he will file a case on behalf of Ramdala. And guess what his name is? Devaki Nandan, which actually means <laughs> Krishna. So he has claimed that I am his brother. As his brother, he has filed a case. So, you know, I love the name Devaki Nandan fighting on behalf of Ramdala. <laughs> so, and the case went through many upheavals, ups and downs and demolition and incidentally an event about the demolition. See, there are many ways of looking at it. event. There is a social way, there is an activism and all that. Uh, they all have their own place. I am not saying this is right or that is wrong. But one thing, some certain things uh, work in a very occult way which we don't understand because the divine does not work according to human right and wrong. Mahabharata humanly is wrong. But spiritually it is right. When someone asks your bindo, there is an aphorism. Uh, who would say whether Rama's killing of Wali from you know behind the scenes is right or wrong? And then he says, but this we know intuitively that they acted divinely. It's Rama and one more, I think, about Krishna. Who would say it's right or wrong? But this we know. Who knows in the heart deep inside? 
that they acted divinely with a little bit of awakening of this you feel that there is something divine about it so similarly just before the demolition of the babri masjid uh i'm not going into semantics and babar mm-hmm. and masjid and that's a waste of time but very few people know that 15 days before or couple of months before in that area in ayodhya shurbindos relics had gone and do you know where the relics are enshrined the one side of the wall of the compound is same as the wall compound of the what now is become ram janmabhoomi one side of the compound actually i have been to the place you can stand and actually see you can jump across the wall and you will be inside it's a common wall okay one side of the wall and then itself it is very obvious that something is going to happen <laughs> within uh, couple of months of the relics being installed there the uh, babri masjid came down so as i said you know there are several ways of looking at it but when um, when the time comes of nemesis or you know something which has been false goes then it's not by a social consciousness you know that's our human way of looking at it who is hurt who is not hurt but that's not how the divine vision works then subsequently many things have happened and lot of churning fight and all and finally after 100 plus years of the case i don't think any case in history would have ever stressed so long <laughs> the judgment has to come on 9111119 on the same day when there is a opening to guru nanak's birthplace both connected with birthplaces it's a birthplace and uh, leaving aside in the details but what also struck me my own feeling about it something very beautiful you know when matri mandir was being created uh, you know built and mother said it's the soul of or a bit the yes. sooner you finish it the better it is yes my impression this is my very personal i am sharing my soul feeling has been that ram mandir is the soul of india because whenever you talk of a noble aryan character you don't talk about krishna krishna transcends <laughs> he is too far away <laughs> he is too free too delightful too charming too sporting he is too modern he is ultra modern his future but when you talk about the human then you think of ram you know he is krishna says also that among uh, the noble aryans i am rama and he is termed as maryada purushottam now maryada purushottam is a very interesting term he is the highest among the purusha the divine himself but look at it he has limited himself he keeps to the limits that are proper to an age to in every, every everywhere he mm. maintains mm. those limits yes. by himself yes. there is no external rule or code that he has to follow he is the king that time those days kings were kings real kings they could decide and be the law but rama self limits everywhere he chooses to go on exile he chooses to you know act according to the rules of the war he chooses to send sita on exile self inflicted punishments because he has to say that you know you have to find your own maryada so rama though he is so mighty and yet he is maryada purushottam so he is regarded as the noblest among the aryans if you have to really think of an aryan character 
who is the ultimate peak, Shreshth in the real sense. It is not Arjuna you will think of. It's not Krishna. As I said, Krishna is far beyond. <laughs> but you will think of Rama. And Sri Aurobindo has praised him very much that, you know, he is uh, many, many passages uh, dedicated to Lord Rama. But the interesting part about it is that I remember a little incidence of Sri Aurobindo and then we will probably come to the reading. Uh, Kapali Shastriji describes his first meeting with Sri Aurobindo. So, he has, we all know that the time that Sri Aurobindo gave him to meet was the same time when he had to go for a talk. So, he changed the timing of the talk because obviously <laughs> the Lord has called, you can't. And he comes carrying a lemon fruit for him because it's a gesture, you know, you carry some fruit when you visit somebody's home. So, he describes when Shurabindo appeared on the threshold. He had given him the time and he was waiting. And he looks at him and he says, I felt that the ultimate epitome of the noble Aryan character, Lord Rama himself had come and he was standing there. That is how he describes his first impression. And he says in every gesture, there was that beauty, that perfection. I mean, the way he came forward, the way he walked, we were just talking about it. The way he sat, the way he expressed gratitude when he offered the fruit. And he communicated, he asked, how are you? He says, everything reminded him of the noblest of Aryan characters. He, and the, the, the person that he thought about was Lord Rama. That is how he described. Then, of course, he had a spontaneous awakening of Kundalini that we are all aware of and many things followed after that. There is another very interesting about this land which is next to Babri Masjid which uh, is now the relic centre of Shurbindo. I was just mentioning about in Ayutthaya. So, how this land also came, there was a Rani of Amava, Amava. So, she was the one who wanted to gift the land to Babaji Maharaj. Now, Babaji Maharaj, those who may not be knowing, he is from Odisha and he has a cult following even now. And he was a very simple man. People who say, oh, Shurbindo is very difficult. I wish they know a little bit about his life. Uh, I don't know whether he knew English when he came. I am very doubtful. And uh, he was a sadhu who, had, who was living in Ayutthaya. And then only people had started treating him as a guru. But he had this aspiration that yes, uh, people regard me as a guru and I am a guru of sort. But I want the guru of gurus to be my guru, the ultimate. This was his aspiration. And that is how then he came to know of uh, Mother and Shurabindo. And when he came here, when he had the darshan of Shurabindo and the mother, he came from a traditional background. He was a Ram Bhakt and you know, he had those uh, sanskaras. You know, you are caught up a little bit that uh, it's fine, everything is wonderful and he is drawn, but who are they? And he had his inner vision open. He saw all the avatars and their consorts in Mother and Shurabindo. All the avatars and their consorts. So he knew by his inner vision that they are of course the last, the tenth avatar and he stayed on. Meanwhile, the Rani gave him a land. So he said, I can't take a land now. Because now I belong to... You see, this reminds me of what is true sannyas. There are sannyasis who have left everything, but they take land, money, everything, but they say, I am doing it for social purposes. But it's very interesting that he comes to Sri Aurobindo Ashram and says, now I can't take anything because everything belongs to mother. 
see this is true sanyas in the real sense and so um, she said uh, what do i do he says if you are so keen i'll ask the mother if mother will accept it you can give it so this is one of the places which is given directly to the mother as a gift by the rani so this place in ayodhya where the relics are there is a very very special place so all these events with the historical background context and um, but i think and that's where we'll get into the canto ki this is the first step it's just like building the matri mandir is the first step so now we have the soul of ancient india reinstalled in the temple of india but more important is now to install that consciousness within man because without that if we don't install the spirit that has moved this ancient land of aryavarth through rama krishna countless prophets avatars nowhere in the world history can you find such a rich galaxy not just you count on fingers galaxy of people each of them great in their own right i mean as a child i have grown up reading those stories if you read the story of one saint you'll feel oh my god what a realization saint <laughs> ganeshwar telling the uh, you know somebody coming on lion to meet him a yogi and he is oh i am so powerful i can tame a lion so ganeshwar doesn't have anything he is sitting on a wall so he tells the wall why don't you move and take me to him you know moving a stone object now it's not about uh, we don't receive this story with the left analytical mind we receive them from the psychic sense mm. so we don't discuss oh how can a wall walk in india we grow up with the we are nurtured in, in the soul so faith surrender spontaneous understanding of these things is there inbuilt programmed because that's how we have grown up and of course we can explain with the intellect if we want to what it means but the point is that look at the whole um, panorama of uh, countless saints and sages and avatars the question arises but still there is evil what have they been doing what is still left undone what is yet to be done and that yet to be done what is left undone is what mother and shurabindu has come for as the penultimate of all these efforts so all these efforts are great in their own right and they have paved the way for where we stand today with a, as mother has said with a grateful bow to the past we move into the future what is yet left undone because we have we have to be focused on that not just that you know okay uh, wonderful past because uh, consciousness moves forward creation moves forward evolution moves forward god's manifestation moves forward and that forward is what shurabindu brings